dun 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 Joined by Conrad Zimmerman. Hello. Hello again, Jim. Hello, hello again. Yes, it's been another, another re-recording. Uh, unfortunately, <laughs> um, we had originally re- uh, recorded most of the Mortal Kombat episode of the Spin-off Doctors. Hello, um, on Thursday, Thursday morning, and it was going really well, really funny, and my recording software crashed. Uh, I think it was because I was looking up. I know I don't want to say what I was looking up because it was yeah, because we're going to get to that joke that, later. We're yeah, definitely going to tread that ground again. Yeah, all the great goofs that we're just going to recycle um, <laughs> because they were good. Uh, so, hello, yes, welcome. We're doing Mortal Kombat, uh, which you should know if you listened to our last episode, which was Pokemon: The First Movie, Mewtwo Strikes Back. Which people really liked that one. People did seem to like that. Yeah, they a lot really of positive enjoyed. response. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I I honestly think this show's just getting better and better. I can't disagree with you there. It's, uh, it's, it's all on an uphill climb. Absolutely. And uh, me being me, I tend to start a project without having any idea as to whether it'll work or not, or whether there's enough like fuel in it to last more than two weeks. So I'm thrilled and surprised yes. uh, that this is still chugging along, and I feel doing like really fantastically. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And, and we're doing yeah. possibly, possibly... My favourite video game based movie. And quite possibly one of the best adaptations. Ab- oh, absolutely. I don't even say possibly to that. I consider this uh, the best video game. There may be ones that are more funny. Uh, sorry, I'm, I'm trying to backpedal now so that people don't think this will be the peak and that we won't have better <laughs> episodes later. There may be ones that are more funny, more unintentionally hilarious, uh, maybe even better made. Uh, but when it comes to being a video game movie, that embraces the what I feel is the spirit of the game that it's based on. Mortal Kombat is the one. I actually I wrote back when I wrote uh, wrote for Destructoid. I wrote an article, and I might actually maybe to accompany this um, on the day of or the day after. I might actually repost that article um, where I argued exactly why I think that Mortal Kombat is the best uh, video game adaptation movie, uh, and, and it really is incredible. And Mortal Kombat, um, I've said many times, I said on the Street Fighter episode, and I've said in other media, that fighting games are not my thing. Um, but I, I do have a very special fondness for Mortal Kombat. Uh, it was um, it was a huge game when I was a kid. For like like for a brief period of time, it was a game you could always just see being like it was being played on TV on uh, episodes of Games Master. Well, and that's I, just that's that's so weird to me too. With mm-hmm. the, like. Uh, there's a bit of a cultural divide there because yeah. here in the United States, you know, while you guys were watching it on TV, we were having like Senate hearings about it. That's how we were watching it on TV. And like the, the, le- the level of violence and, um, and gore was, was something that we, I, I think it was as much about that as it was the realistic, so to speak, so to speak characters, you know, the, the film derived, um, animations and yeah so yeah yeah because i mean it was all digitized um basically 
they looked like moving photographs in yeah. the original Mortal Kombat, uh, and that did you know it, it was not only violent and gory, but but it was happening uh, to what looked more like a real person than yeah. anything we'd ever seen up to that point in a video game. Indeed, and and I believe uh you know this is american history um bef way before my time in the country uh, i believe it, it was the cause for the formation of the esrb which um, rates all the games now. yeah um basically the the industry sort of in response much like the film industry did when uh the government came knocking on their door and created the motion picture association of america and the recording industry did it with the Recording Industry Association of America. Uh, that's how we wound up with uh, the Entertainment uh, Software Ratings Board. And, uh, I mean, Necessary Evil, I, I, I do think that they are. Uh, I, it's it's a, an organization that kind of... All, like all of these industry trade organizations, they're not in it for customers. They're in it to skirt scrutiny. Yes, yes. Um, I mean, that's that's one of the funny things uh, that people talk about where they get upset about localization right now, as if it's a new issue. When uh, they don't realize that a lot of the the localization changes are not to not offend people, but it's to appease the ESRB. Right. Uh, they they the ratings board is different in from country to country, and the ESRB has certain elements that it finds uh, itself strict on, uh, and and that's why a lot of changes are made. And like you say, it is a it's a necessary evil. It is is one of those someone has to do it it may as well be us I, well i would i would rather it be the people who are making who are in some way association sorry i would rather it be the people who are in some way associated with the production of that art than an outside third party making yes. decisions uh yes on behalf of everybody in the country that that's just so I would rather it be this way than the other, and I don't think you can not have it one of those two ways. Yeah, it's very much one of the, the lesser of two evil situations. Uh, so yeah, yeah, I mean, that's that's where Mortal Kombat led America. In Britain, uh, we were still, at the time, upset about horror films. Um, we kind of hadn't gotten over that from the 80s. Mm -hmm. uh, so uh, at, at around that time, you know, I, I remember as a child, um, there was... Uh, a very horrible murder case, actually. Very horrific. Um, two young young uh, boys um, um, did away with a younger one. It was a, a Jamie, uh, the Jamie Bulger case. It was uh, very, very famous at the time. Uh, and Child's Play 3 was implicated in that. And, and of course, they stopped. they stopped looking at the people who actually did the murder. Uh, they stopped giving a shit about the actual victim and decided instead to just make this all about Child's Play fucking 3 uh, uh, and now campaigning for that. Now, to be gotten I'm, rid of. If, if I'm not mistaken, isn't Child's Play three the one where he, he go to the um, he goes he gets sent to the military board the military school, school? I think and it, it is. ends in the toy factory. Um, I think it's Child's Play two that ends in the toy. factory. Okay, yeah, you're they right. all they all bleed together for me. <laughs> act, if yeah. I'm fair, um, the only one I remember with any great degree of clarity Bride is of Bride Chucky. of Chucky, obviously yeah. <laughs> because of Jennifer Tilly, um, because she's very beautiful and such. Did you talent. see the new one? The, the most, oh, the most yes, movie. Curse of Chucky, I thought, was inc incredibly clever. Good. Really good movie. Because it played on your expectations of reboots and remakes to have an amazing twist. I thought it was like one of the best meta-related twists I've ever seen in a horror film. Curse of Chucky, highly recommended. Um, but yeah, yeah, uh, in Britain, uh, movies were still the thing. Uh, video games didn't really become the the 
the blame du jour of the Moral Guardians until the PS2 and Grand Theft Auto 3 came out and Manhunt was especially... Uh, there was another murder case um, sort of in the, the, the... I think it was the early 2000s and Manhunt was blamed for that one. Uh, so oh, video you game... and your stodgy colonial empire. <laughs> we had outrage over video games back with Death Race 2000 in like 1981. <laughs> and... Yeah, it took, took Britain a while to catch on. Until then, <laughs> like I said, Primetime TV, Games Master, wonderful show back in the day. Um, Mortal Kombat on TV, no bother. Uh, school Fate, I still remember. Um, my primary school um, had, there was uh, one, there was a Mega Drive set up, so slash Sega Genesis if you're in the US, and Mortal Kombat being played in the middle of the school hall. No one cared. Back then, it was a simpler time. And yeah. then everyone got upset. Um, of course, by the time Britain got upset, Mortal Kombat was kind of old news and and, and not that shocking. Uh, so it kind of escaped all that scrutiny, at least from what I remember. I mean, I was very young at the time, well, so you know, we I had, could be misremembering things. We had Doom and Quake by that <clears throat> point, and, yeah. um, and and things had, had really moved to first-person shooters as uh, you know, and the murder simulator idea uh, started to take off conceptually. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I think a lot of that gets tied to Columbine in the United States. Of course, um, of course, yeah. And, and, and the implication of Doom. And that's, that's, I think, the moment where it switched from Mortal Kombat to Doom. And, and it's been sort of first-person shooters almost ever since. It um, has, yes, yes. Yeah. That's... And now that's turning into uh, MOBAs and, and stuff. But, but that one didn't have a, a murder associated with it. Yeah. Um, so I am looking forward to the uh, the time when we can blame our uh, our murders on virtual reality gaming. Oh sure, yeah, that's gonna that's gonna be a rip roaring time for us. That'll be fun. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, uh, but but Mortal Kombat. Um, what I respect about it as a series, actually, um, my, my other half's big into it. Um, really big really fan. Yeah, yeah, loves Mortal Kombat, and. I, I watch. I've always like just been rather voyeuristic about. Um, um, you could almost say that she cucks me on fighting games. Um, <laughs> I I like to watch people. I used to watch my brother play Street Fighter. Uh, he was always Ryu, and it was boring. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I watch people play Mortal Kombat. And one thing I always respect about it, and I and therefore respect Ed Boon. You know, I follow him on Twitter, and I I love his attitude. It's just it doesn't care. Netherrealms doesn't... They care about making a fun game, I think, and, you know, making their fans have a good time. But when it comes to story, when it comes to making sense, they don't give a shit. And and that's what I like about it, and that's what I, I, I feel the movie embraced, was there's this... Does this make sense? Is this, like, like quality storytelling? It doesn't matter. Can we have a lizard ninja? Yeah. Yeah. Why not? Does it make sense that Freddy Krueger's in this now? No. Can we still have him? Yeah, yeah. Just, just pop him in. Uh, it's, it's, it's this whole like, fuck well, it, let's just do it. That it's I love. interesting because it's such a dark setting, but at the mm. same time, there, there, there's a playfulness and a you know just it's just goofy. I mean, even right from the beginning with Johnny Cage um, as a character and his special move is doing the splits and punching the nuts. Yeah, like that's just. 
yeah, I mean, this is a series that, like you say, it's very, it's very dark. Its story can be very morbid and macabre at times. Uh, you know, it deals with some horrific things, and there's some, um, you know, really, like, serious storytelling with some of the backstories. But mm-hmm. it is also the the game of nut punches and baydalities and uh, people turning into dragons and chopping the people's fucking spines off and all this stuff. Like, it... It just—it's got such a kitchen sink mentality, which can go very wrong for a lot of games. But but Mortal Kombat just seems to make it work, and I think it's—it's it's just commitment on the follow through. It's like they will just throw everything in, but they will give everything um, just enough love and care to make it work. See, and now, I and think that's—that's that's what. Yeah. No, sorry. Go ahead. Finish. No, no, no. I had like one word to finish oh, the okay. sentence. Yeah. And like, and I, I was, was... going to say work twice, oh, and okay. you all actually right. saved me from. No. That. Okay. So th- so then this isn't awkward at all. No, not at okay, all. Okay, good. Uh, I won't cut this. <laughs> I know you I'm won't. I'm too lazy. Uh, one of the... Uh, <laughs> I, I sort of tuned out on Mortal Kombat, and I was never, like, yeah. a huge fan of it. I, I liked it. Uh, I would play it in the pizza parlor down the street from my place when I was there and I had quarters. But I, you know, like like you with fighting games, it's just not, not something I'm great at. But um, I, I completely tuned out of it when it went to 3D. And I don't... I, I know that, like, that's the point at which the game really starts to develop combos and become a a fleshed-out, real fighting game. Early Mortal Kombat games, to me, feel really antiquated, very stiff. Um, I would not choose to play them at all now. Um, But then, you know, fast forward, they go back to the 2D format with the uh, Mortal Kombat reboot, and that's a great game. So it's it. I think that there's still something to Mortal Kombat. Its longevity is not just based solely on its imprint in popular culture. Yeah, it wouldn't have lasted this long and and still you know gotten the attention it gets if it had. If it right. just stuck to that and stuck to pure shock factor and everything. And so for a series to to remain good, iteration after iteration, as long as Mortal Kombat has managed to do. Granted, some of those there, there were some weird spin-off games. Oh yeah, um, which I I think I still have a sealed copy of Shaolin Monks somewhere in this apartment, <laughs> and I really want to play that. Like, yeah, that looks like it's probably pretty good. But you had the Sonya one. Um, oh God, yeah, I remember that one. What was it Death by Degrees? Uh, yes, or was I, that something else? Oh, that might have been a movie. It might have been. I, I, I think remember. I've got it wrong. Uh, that, that, now I'm now I'm confused and upset. Or was there a Sonya game that got cancelled after Mortal Kombat Mythology Sub-Zero was just such a <laughs> fucking horror show? Yeah, they've done a lot. It's actually amazing just how much fucking mass media went into that. I mean, as well as the, the movie that we're talking about, there was uh, another movie, which we will get to in another episode. Um, cartoon show, live-action TV show, comics. Well, all of like, this stuff we might eventually get to. Yeah, we may eventually get to everything. Um, yeah, so it's, there was it, a but, huge explosion of, of Mortal Kombat stuff back in the day that, that it's weird to think about now. Well, and normally something like that, if it has a big explosion of um, associated media, it then becomes a fad, yeah. and then, it, and then it, 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 you don't hear about it, you're not still talking about it 10 yeah, years yeah. later. Well, we said this of Pokemon as well, like, right. like, there's just, like, it's odd to compare Mortal Kombat of all things to Pokemon, but, yeah. you know, both of them have enjoyed a kind of longevity, obviously on different 
levels. Uh, but yeah, yeah, they it, it's it's hung in there and it's managed to stay interesting, and and it's it's worked very well with licensed properties. That's something they've they've managed to leverage. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, even I am tempted to play you know the latest one because the DLC has a fucking xenomorph in it. I mean. That's it. That's fantastic. And actually, the story modes in them are pretty good now. Like, I'm kind, I'm kind of impressed with what Nether Realm has done. Mm-hmm. Uh, when they did the Mortal Kombat reboot, I really liked the the sort of campaign story mode in that. Yeah, yeah, I watched some of that, and it looked, it did look really interesting. They they were doing stuff with um, oh fuck, what's her name? I've forgotten her name now. My Lena. Oh, Melina, yeah. Melina with the, the the funny mouth. Yeah, 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 yeah. They, they like I was watching some of her story modes, and it's like, yeah, it's it's kind of like dark and creepy and interesting. They did, they, yeah. I you know I put the difficulty all the way down to the bottom. Of course, you, did. you know, <laughs> I, I I would too. <laughs> and, and and played through, but I'm I'm actually really glad I did it, and uh, and it's it's led me to want to play story mode in in subsequent Nether Realm games. Yeah. Um. So good. Good for them. Good for them. Good for them. Um. Talking of storyline. Should I think do- it's time. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think we should. Let's we do should it. talk about the plot of Mortal Kombat the movie. Mortal Kombat. A man screams as techno music blares, and the Mortal Kombat logo is kissed by flames and letters. Sp- Spelling out Mortal Kombat, fly in from behind the viewer to inform them that they are watching Mortal Kombat. Terrifying. Makes you think that the words Mortal Kombat were floating behind your head the whole the time. The whole time. It's like there's no um, no doubt what you're getting into. Like yes. once this starts, it's, it's basically saying, hey, get ready for just sort of loud in your face. Yes. Driving forward the whole time. So confident are they in that package that this is one of the few video game movies we've covered, possibly the first one, that doesn't start with just a disembodied voice explaining all of the backstory for you. Yes, to the credit of Mortal Kombat, which uh, it's Paul W.S. Anderson again. It is. It is. So, um, And I think this is like his first real film, isn't it? Or, or maybe second or third, but it's it's like definitely mm-hmm. his first major license thing right um so anyway yeah it's it the exposition in mortal Kombat is rather well integrated into yeah, yeah. it's the screen the it is mostly show don't tell there are some characters explaining backstory but it is it's mostly on screen and even when it is them just like talking um you know, it's it's there's dynamic enough conversation rather than just pure. I'm going to look at the camera more or less and just tell you the story. It's it's yeah. There's the acting's not good either. I don't know if we've we've brought the, like the, the acting's not good. No, uh, no. Well, the, well Christopher much, fucking Lambert's in it. Well, much like you know Street Fighter, this is a film where the actors were probably hired more for their ability to look like the character and perform martial arts. Than any actual acting yeah, talent. Yeah, that's. I think that's fair. Um, that said, that said, I will say, and I'm scared. I'm scared to pronounce the name. I'm scared to pronounce the name. But Kari Hiroyuki Tagawa. I'm, I know I've got that wrong, and I apologize. But but Tagawa as Shang Tsung, mm-hmm. um, he is a really good actor. Yes, I mean he's, he's he, he was in uh, what's it, Man in the High Castle, and. Um, 
was he? I think it was in Memoirs of a Geisha. Uh, done, done plenty of stuff, and he is a fine actor. And in this film in particular, spends most of his time pulling a face that makes him look like an angry panther. Yes, yes, and, and very like like angry cat like like facial expression he pulls, sneering the whole time, and it's incredible. So uh, yes, as sorry. the film opens out, we're at a Shaolin temple beneath a black and stormy sky, and two men are fighting. In as much as a, a guy in leather, uh, both clothes and complexion, uh, is uh, brutally dominating a younger guy wearing orange. And after breaking the orange kid's back, Leatherman lifts him up by the back of the skull and addresses the viewer, uh, saying, Your soul is mine. And the really echoey, gravelly, like, wow. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's He just... spits that line, yeah. like, spits, like, like, like fire from his lips. And the kid then yells out, Lou, clarifying who the guy's talking about, I guess. And uh, Liu Kang wakes up in an apartment. A very green apartment. Very green. Very green. He finds a telegram addressed to him from his grandfather. It's all wrinkled, so we know that, you know, it's it's traveled a great distance. And uh, he may have had it for some time. Stuff in films. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say mise-en-scene, but it is is not. It's not mise-en-scene. Because that's the only film term I know from the two weeks of film college, like class I did in college. <laughs> I remember mise-en-scene, and I remember the teacher telling us that putting credits over moving images is more expensive than just putting credits. <laughs> Sorry, continue. The crumpled telegram. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, it's, it's from his grandfather, and it tells him to return home that his brother is dead. Yeah. Meanwhile, in Hong Kong. Sonya Blade and Jax are moving through this in- indoor concert venue, like, with shotguns. Yeah. Just out. Apparently that happens a lot in Hong Kong, because no one's phased No by one it. notices. Um, he's looking for Kano. Uh, I'm sorry. Sonya's looking for Kano, who uh, is a-, a criminal who killed her partner. So she's got a motivation. Uh, Kano's in a back room talking with the leathery man from the dream sequence, and we learn that he is uh, Shang Tsung. Uh, in a very, like... Yeah, yeah, almost as, as cringy as the uh, introductory marine scene in Aliens, which Aliens, of course, is one of my favourite films, but the the scene where they're all talking to each other and say their names out loud more for the audience than each other uh, is very awkward, and it's just that that moment as Kano just turns around, wouldn't you? I like punctuality in a woman, wouldn't you say? Shang Tsung! Well, I, I think the... Uh... Yeah, I think they wanted to make sure the audience knew who Shang Tsung was, you know? Oh, yeah, there's no way you won't know after Kano says it. Somewhat, yeah, they wanted, but they, I think they wanted it to come across somewhat quickly, you know? They're like, you know what, we've shown this guy, and we're going to show him a lot yeah. in the coming scenes. We him a lot. better give the name to him. Well, he's one of the few people that actually does call him by name, because you end up with um, uh, Christopher Lambert and Liu Kang, Constantly refer to him dismissively as sorcerer the whole time, like it's a racial thing. Just sorcerer. And I kept expecting Shang Tsung, like, like at near the end of the film, to just go, I have a name. <laughs> it's Shang Tsung, not sorcerer. That's not all I am. Have you seen this leather jacket? There's a story attached to this. <laughs> so Shang Tsung has enlisted Kano to ensure that Sonya is on a boat headed to a tournament. But he's not to touch her in any way, lest the man of leather remove the criminal's remaining eye. Yes. Now, as Sonya makes it to the room where Kano has just been moments ago, merrily clubbing concert goers with her shotgun. Yep, like, yep. What the fuck? 
One of his goons attacks with a submachine gun, and Which she... Which seems to run contrary to what Shang Tsung asked for. Yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe he knew... Technically, he wasn't touching her. And he is a... Te- well, yeah, he's a terrible shot. So he's either... Or he's a great shot, and he's managing to use a spread weapon in such a way as to not hit the thing he was ostensibly aiming at. And that's actually... That might be harder. Like, it might be harder to do that. To, like, yeah. shoot around the person. The fact Sonya then goes on to kill him is probably the loss of one of the greatest marksmen we've ever known. <laughs> oh, and he's got body armor, uh, so uh, she tries to interrogate him to find out where Kano is. Oh, yeah, is. she does. I forgot that bit. Yeah. yeah. I, this, none of this stuff takes place on the island of, of, of naked man. man statues, so I always black out till that bit happens. But, you know, you're right, he does. Well, that's okay. Nobody in the crowd noticed the gunfire either. Everybody <laughs> just keeps on <laughs> dancing. There's something incredible about the the, uh, the Mortal Kombat movie is in any crowd scene, keep looking at the crowd. Yes, the because cr- they're not like regular extras who you know are trying to act naturalistic. They are almost like the background crowd characters in a fighting game. They have been told to do a specific movement, and that's what they do. So there's a huge gunfight. The dancers are still dancing. There's a, a fight during the tournament later on. You look at the people gathered around, and they're all just moving their arms up and down, like, stodgily, as if that's all they know how to do. And crowd I, scenes in this film are incredible. I have to wonder if um, if this isn't just, you know, like, the genesis, the very first instance of Paul W.S. Anderson like referencing a video game concept visually in the film or if everyone was just sort of not doing their jobs well if, right if if the former it would be an incredible show of subtlety in a movie that otherwise has none zero yeah just <laughs> not straight none like Occam's razor is telling me <laughs> yes but Gotta I go with Occam on this one <laughs> Uh, so Johnny Cage, meanwhile, gets into a fight with four armed men in a warehouse. Yes. Uh, when the last one stands around confused instead of following after a kick. Again, could be the reference thing to the whole finish him moment. Um, the guy does fall down. It's, it's, it's a film. He's on a movie set. It's just movies. It's just play play. And Cage storms off set angrily and, and on the way he finds his old martial arts master who's just there. He just looks like he wandered in from the street. Like, he doesn't look like a martial arts master. No, he's this grizzled old guy in a leather jacket, and, uh... I don't know, like, you don't get a lot of sense that there's a whole... He looks like my dad is trying to cosplay Whistler from the Blade movie. He kind of looks like the Big Lebowski. He does. He kind of looks like the big Lebowski. And, and uh, like, like, like the dude after realizing he had even less to live for than he does by the events of the big Lebowski. Right, right. You know, like the Zen thing, the Zen thing's there. I just don't buy the, the martial arts. No. <laughs> um, but uh, the master uh, sort of offers to help Johnny Cage with his big problem, which is that he's not respected as a martial yeah. artist. And uh, the master suggests that Cage can legitimize himself by competing in this tournament that's held once a generation for which a ship will be leaving Hong Kong the next day. And uh, as the master leaves the film set, uh, away from the sight of others, we see him transform into Shang Tsung. So he's putting all the little, you know, chess pieces on the board 
doing something mysterious. Meanwhile, Liu Kang gets home and, to the Shaolin Temple from his earlier nightmare and has an argument with his grandfather over the death of his brother, who was training to replace Liu as a champion in this tournament that everybody seems to be talking about. Uh, but Liu spurned his people's traditions, left for America, and so that's why the brother started training up, and uh, it, it just didn't work out. So Shang Tsung killed the brother. So the monks have now assembled, and, and Liu uh, addresses them, saying he wants to now compete in the tournament to avenge the brother's death. Uh, and a, a beggar appears. Yes. And, uh, and sort of challenges this idea that, that Liu is ready to, to take on this fight to defend the world, which Liu Kang doesn't believe that this is a, some sort of metaphysical, you know, spiritual conflict that, you know, these monks are defending Earth from some outside alien force. He thinks that's poppycock. Uh, and so the, when the beggar uh, shows up and everyone like bows down to him as a god. Yeah, he yeah. blows it off. Mm-hmm. And I'd like to just uh, pause the plot summary here yeah. for a moment, <clears throat> just to talk about the image of Christopher Lambert, French, white, walking into a Shaolin temple full of ancient, well-trained Shaolin monks. Who, at the sight of this white man, all get on their hands and knees and start bowing and scraping before him. Now, I'm not saying there's any unfortunate implication in that scene, except I am. I'm just look. All I'm all I'm going to say about this is that it's better that this is taking place in China than in Vietnam. That's all I'm going to say. I mean, I'll, I'll add on to that and just say that if, if I was a Shaolin monk and I dedicated my entire life to following these traditions and, and praising the god, the god of lightning and thunder and storms, you know, this powerful, powerful emblem of my faith, my family, my tradition, <laughs> and I dedicated my entire life to that. And in he comes and I get on my hands and knees and I bow down and then I hear... <laughs> You're afraid of a simple beggar? <laughs> and I looked up, and it's the fucking Highlander in a Santa Claus wig. I'd say, sorry, I respect y'all, but I'm out. <laughs> Liu Kang, when's the next plane to America? I'm living with you. No wonder he fucking left. I would as well. <laughs> yes, he's not the... He's not so much what... I would have expected of a um, of an Eastern god. No, no, I wouldn't have expected America's favorite Frenchman in a, in a really badly fitting white wig to wander up, going. <laughs> it's the laughing thing is weird, and I think I get it because the uh, Lambert Lambert's performance of Raiden calls for him to like laugh in response to things that aren't funny at all. Yeah, I think they wanted to try and portray him almost as a Yoda-like figure of, you know, benevolent and nominally on the side of good, but playing his own game and above mortal concerns. Right. But instead, it just makes it sound like Christopher Lambert is a sex pest. <laughs> yeah, it is a creepy laugh. It's a, it's a, uh, 
it it is the laugh that that you expect from the guy in the elevator. He sounds like the cousin that your parents like adopt a quiet a tone of voice for when they talk about him and his troubles. <laughs> Uh, I think I think we're gonna just address him as Leredon. Uh, yeah, I think that's what we decided on the last recording was uh, I I I bulk at the idea of calling him Raiden. Yeah, I prefer Christopher Lambert and I think French Raiden or simply Leredon. And I think uh, I think the game I think the 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 movie box at calling him Raiden too because I'm pretty sure they spelled it wrong in the subtitles. <laughs> yeah, you did say. I think I think that's I think they spelled it wrong, but. <laughs> What, yes. what can you do? Um, so, Raiden... Loredon. Le, sorry. Loredon uh, <laughs> arrives and uh, is, is sort of blown off by Liu Kang. And, uh, and, and so he challenges Liu Kang to uh, demonstrate how he's going to win the tournament. And then just flips him over and makes his eyes, like, sparkle with electricity. And Liu's like, fuck this shit, I'm going anyway. And heads off. Uh, leaving the uh, head of the monks, his grandfather, and uh, and Leredon to be like, he's all we got. It's what we got. It's the only one we got. Yeah. Go to the docks. Johnny Cage arrives, has a talk with a fellow martial artist with whom he shares a moment of mutual appreciation. Now, we do have to talk about um, secondary, secondary character, man. Right, Art. Art, Art is his yeah. name, yes. Um, this is... Uh, a, a character who is completely unnecessary, um, other than to serve the plot. Basically, they needed someone to die. Right. And they needed a certain type of actor to die, but they didn't want it to be Jax in case they needed him for the sequel, which is why Jax doesn't get on the boat later. Yeah, It's why Jax has two minutes of screen time, if that, and instead we have art, because... Spoiler warning, Art's going to die. Yeah, Art's gonna die. And That's Art... what he's there for. Did they have to make him another black guy? Like, why do we just, do we just kill black men in movies? Is that all we do? Like, couldn't we have gotten some other dude to get killed? It's depressing, because the guy gets nothing. He gets nothing. He's like, he's a bit like Vega in Street Fighter, to where... You want you want you want the guy if he's gonna die, to to demonstrate a real relationship with mm-hmm. the character and have some mm-hmm. impact and have some attachment to him. Sorry, I don't want to interrupt, because, but it's going to get picked up on the microphone, I think. But ever since we started making fun of Loredan, thunder has been <laughs> outside. <laughs> That's fantastic. A thunderstorm is coming because I I I mocked Loredan. <laughs> so, but but the, yeah, so art. Is, is sort of the tragic figure of this. Uh, it's the sacrificial lamb. Yeah, and and it sucks. Like it just it just feels wrong that he's even there. Uh, but so. But anyway, after introducing the man who's going to die for no other reason, uh, the, the, than... uh, the minority guy who's going to die. Yeah, because I think the, that that's important to point out, considering what's about out. to happen now. Yeah. So they introduce Art. Uh, that scene followed, you know, uh, an image of Shaolin monks bowing and scraping and begging for mercy from uh, the the tall, white Christopher Lambert. And then the movie has the shitting goal to pretend to care about racism. Yeah, because as soon as um, 
Luke, you know, Luke Kang arrives. Johnny Cage tries to pay him to load his bags on the boat. He's got this huge pile of luggage. And Luke Kang takes the money and then picks up one of his bags and throws it into the drink. Yes. And now the idea is that, you know, it's trying to paint Johnny Cage as this sort of rich asshole, you know, a little bit racist. Oh, you saw the Asian guy on the, the, the pier and he's going to carry your bags. Yeah. Now that's fine. But Mortal Kombat doesn't get to make that goof. It doesn't get to have that gag because of what it was just doing. Right. You're not Archie Bunker, Mortal Kombat. You don't get to do this gag. Yeah, yeah, it's just gross. Anyway. Anyway, anyway, uh, let's let's get back to the fact that Jax isn't allowed on the boat. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Fuck that. Jax isn't allowed to get on the boat. Uh, And he doesn't have a metal arm. No, no, he doesn't have metal arms. Jax gets the shaft in all of this thing. Um, Look at their binoculars. Sonya and Jax are, are on the, the hunt for Kano as this creepy ghost ship just pulls into the dock and people start to board. And uh, when Sonya sees Kano get on the ship, she charges off and that's the last we ever see of Jax. Bye, Jax. Yes. Bye. So long. Fun. So long. Sorry you aren't allowed in the film. Actually good character who is now... I mean, for God's sake, we could have gotten the arm ripped. They could have done been, that. Yeah. Yeah, they didn't, like, instead of Art being killed, they could have had Jax and Goro in that scene and off with the arm, metal arm. I mean... We just wrote a better Mortal Kombat movie, and, and I, I still say that as someone who... Like, let's point out that a lot of what we're doing here is being facetious, albeit with some bit of, you know, yeah, a genuine yeah. point about storytelling tropes. Um, but that actually would have been legitimately better. That's such a... <laughs> that would have been really, really better. <laughs> So, um, on the boat, Sonya, uh, runs into Johnny Cage, who tries to flirt with her immediately, because we need to establish that Johnny Cage is a bad person. Yes, in his, in his heart. In his heart. Creepy. Until he has a change of him. Heartless, bad person. Yeah. Um. He is, he's, he's Wheeler from Captain Planet. She asks where Kano is. Uh, he doesn't know, he doesn't know who the fuck Kano is. Yeah, I'm fucking uh, she goes below deck, and, and Liu Kang comes and like then gives Johnny a hard time. I guess they're trying to establish this, uh, you know, frenemy relationship yes, between yeah. the two uh, with all of this. Liu Kang just seems like a dick. Like, you've already destroyed his baggage. You made, his, you made your point. Like, you don't have to keep being a dick. But we will see what a dick Liu Kang is throughout this. He's just... Yes. He is a straight-up asshole um below deck sonya encounters shang Tsung, who introduces himself as the owner of the ship so now you know the master has emerged so to speak yeah. uh cajun lu kang show up uh in the first of many instances of them following sonya around like lost puppies and uh shang Tsung evens the odds by introducing scorpion and sub-zero who do a little showing off yes uh, sub-zero does a little bit of a dance um Sonya pulls her gun out, and he freezes it, and Scorpion shows off a little parrot's mouth coming out of his hand. It's, yeah, that, that, that weird, 
lizard thing, and this is the first example that we're really seeing of the, the CG uh, used in the film, which, um, as, as you may recall if you listened to our episode about Resident Evil, uh, another Paul W.S. Anderson film, uh, he does not do CG particularly well at this point in his career. No. Um, and Insists on using it. Yes. In, in, at times when a practical effect would be fine. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I was always under the impression uh, with uh, Scorpion from the original Mortal Kombat game that he just had a small collection of spears and lengths of rope that he would yeah, use. Yeah, it's some sort of it was an implement, not a living creature. Right. was the impression I always got. And so, seeing this thing come out of his hand, while it's kind of interesting conceptually, uh, they didn't have the technology or the talent. To make that look good. No, no. When you've got a little Sarlacc bit coming out of your hand, you want to make it look good. And it, it kind of doesn't. No. It's, well, it's so slow, and it takes up most of the frame. And so yeah. you really get a chance to look at it. And at this time in CG, that's a mistake. So it looks a bit goofy. Yeah. Uh, but... But let's, let's, let's point out that, that, that these two, um, you know, ninja, who are the most iconic, like, like and I, you know, I use that word um, with, with sincerity, uh, perhaps the two most iconic uh, characters in Mortal Kombat, they're the recognisable ones, even if you're not that familiar with Mortal Kombat, you ought to know the blue ninja guy and the yellow ninja guy, Sub-Zero and Scorpion. Um, and let's just say that a, a white man turns up. <laughs> And punks the pair of them out. <laughs> yes, Raiden appears and blasts Laura the ninjas Dull. with lightning. Oh, sorry. God, I keep doing it. I did I did way better at this last time, guys. Yeah. I was way better at Loredon. Loredon even me at it last time. Loredon. Uh, Loredon just finger blasts him with lightning. And then chides Shang Tsung for violating the rules of the tournament by interfering with the competitors. Yeah, and which, th- let's point out, never happened. No. No, they, they did nothing. They were just showing off. Sonya's the one who had a fucking gun. Yeah, she was the aggressor. What the fuck? Typical, typical fucking cop. Yeah, you know, I mean, and, and, and really... No, I had a joke. Fuck, what was it? It's not important. Uh, <laughs> this is the point at which Liu Kang uh, goes full asshole. Also, yes. like he he witnesses Le Redon, uh using his powers of electricity, and now immediately wholeheartedly accepts that everything he's ever been told is true, and acts like he knew it all along in front of Sonia and uh, uh, Johnny. It's so casual. He's suddenly the expert who knows all the shit. And treats everybody who doesn't know it like they're a fucking idiot for not knowing it. Yep. Asshole. Complete dick. Back above deck. Leroydon explains to Sonya and Johnny Cage that they're going to participate in a tournament called Mortal Kombat to defend the realm of Earth from the evil emperor of another realm, Outworld, with the help of Shang Tsung and his warriors, uh, this... Emperor's won nine of ten consecutive victories necessary for him to come to the world. Now, that's like one, this is one of the first like exposition y, like we're going to slow things down for a second and sort of give the casual viewer some fucking clue what's happening. Yeah. Um, and Liu Kang, you know, it doesn't have to be explained to because he, you know, obviously knows all of this and starts interjecting like a prick. 
He's not. He's not a good man. We're supposed to think Johnny Cage is like the asshole hero, like the 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 protagonist who's a jerk. But it's it's really Luke. Yeah, Luke Kang's re- and well, and, and Luke Kang really is the hero of Mortal Kombat. Um, ultimately, um, in in both the video games and and in this film, we'll see that that's the case. But it's yes. it is interesting. I will give them some credit for attempting to uh, have the viewer in question as to who could win. Because it does, you know, while obviously this is America, this is a, a, uh, a major motion picture, um, it's not going to be Sonya. Sonya's not going to win Mortal Kombat. <laughs> That's not happening. But you do get to question throughout the entire film whether it's going to be Luke Kang or Johnny Cage. Or Art. Or Art. It's, it, it could, it's it, not Art. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it could go either way. They, they give them equal time. Yeah. Uh, it's not going to be Sony. <laughs> so, um, Le Redon, uh confides in the three that having looked into their souls and the souls of all the competitors, he knows that one of these uh, guys they... is going to decide the outcome of the tournament. Mm-hmm. And he warns Liu Kang not to confront Shang Tsung. He's not ready to face him. And all of a sudden, the Aurora Scullialis appears in the sky. Uh, <laughs> yeah, big, big uh, translucent fucking CGI skull. Looks like the one from the beginning of Skeleton Warriors. Has a snake, like, working through the eye. Like, it is the, the stereotypical biker tattoo. Yes, yes, it's the biker tattoo in the sky that we've all been told about as kids. <laughs> While uh, Shang Tsung's on the boat going, it has begun, which I like to interpret as him saying it has bacon, uh, which just makes it sound funny. And then you imagine the skull flying down and depositing bacon like a bird regurgitating for its young into Shang Tsung's mouth. And it it, it sounds less stupid than just repeating what Le Redon said when the lightning struck a second ago. (laughs) It has begun. It has begun. Yeah, they do kind of uh, say the same thing. They, they double down on the, the beginning. So, it's, that way we know it's begun. <laughs> right. It's like Mortal Kombat in the beginning of the film, if you were uncertain at all what you were watching. Yes. Arriving on an island, uh, Sonya discovers that her radio doesn't work. And this is another opportunity for Liu Kang to demonstrate what a massive dick he Huge is. Huge fucking a-hole. Because she tosses the radio off to the side like, ah, fuck this, this doesn't work. And he's like, oh no, your technology's fine. Look at your compass. And she pulls out the compass and the compass is all like, woo! Yeah. Liu Kang's never been to this fucking island before. He was guessing. <laughs> he's lucky. He, he had no how idea. He had no reason to know it would spin. How fucking stupid would he have looked if it pointed true north? What an what an idiot! <laughs> anyway, Johnny Cage falls in the water because he's got too much. Well, yeah, he's overpacked, and then they have to climb all these steps. And Liu Kang's a dick again because you know all the shits falling down these incredibly steep, like I don't know what you call it, shrine ruins. Yeah, yeah, like something like that. Just a big temple. Right, big, big, big temple thing. ruins. Thank you. Temple's the word I was looking for. And Luke ain't just like, hey, you need some help with that. It's like, dude, can you not see that the man is struggling? You are carrying a small rucksack. Pick up a fucking bag. You're all defending Earth together. Yeah, like, like you, you, you made your point at the docks. Right. That was ages ago. <laughs> <clears throat> the, uh, but yes, they are now on Man Island. Right, with all of these, like, 
just sort of terrifying statues of shirtless masculinity. Yeah, like some of them are like scary demons. Some of them are just like bronze Adonises. It, it, the, the running theme of the island is men be naked. Men be bare-chested, specifically. That's the point of this island. Yes. Uh, so, yes, it is It is called Man Island. Um, <laughs> n- not anywhere officially in the script, uh, but but I think canonically in my heart it, it is always going to be Man Island. And in this hall with all of these statues, there's also a uh, attractive woman uh, under an umbrella with a guard that catches the eye of Liu Kang. Um, and as after the heroes pass through, Shang Tsung arrives in and uh, addresses the goofiest looking statue in this hall and uh it, referring to this woman that's sitting there as princess katana he gives instructions to the statue to keep an eye on her and then in a uh another startling similarity to the works of lydia Dietz, the statue comes to life uh looking like the geico gecko as seen in the worst nightmares of timothy leary Mm-hmm. And then it mercifully turns invisible, <laughs> so you yes. don't have to look at it anymore. Because <laughs> it is still, for my money, some of the worst CGI I've ever seen. It is so bad. Who did they hire to design that character? Like, it barely looks like it even belongs in Reboot. Yeah. 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 It, 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 could, it could cameo as a, as a virus in, in Reboot. Yeah. Sure. That's about it. It's really, really ugly. Yeah, next to live-action actors, not as good. No. No. So Anyway, that's Reptile. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yay. All the heroes sit down for a nice meal. And the really doors... Really lovely banquet. Yeah, it's like this Looks big... Looks like something from Game of Thrones. Like George R.R. Martin would describe that banquet. Massive. And the doors close on Raiden, who has no authority... Here no. on this island. He actually looks a bit jealous looking through, thinking, oh man, I would love some of that chicken. Yeah, he looks hungry. He looks yeah. like a hungry man. And now shirtless men just stream into the hall from all directions. Yeah, the men of Man Island. And uh, Shang, Shang Tsung comes out with them and addresses the room and tells everyone to enjoy themselves because, you know, they're basically going to, you know, die. And... Um, and then has the shirtless men, like, flip all the tables. Like, immediately <laughs> after. So, yeah, eliminate... I like to imagine there's a fucking chef in the corner just going, oh, <laughs> Like, they, they worked so hard on that honey-glazed ham, and it just gets thrown on the floor, and like, like just for the dogs to like, eat. There's suckling pig and roast bird and all like it's this i mean that's 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 food that takes days to prepare yeah this is not a casual affair and just as quickly as 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 it's seen it's destroyed but you know for no reason none (laughs) none other than to demonstrate that shang Tsung's cruelty has no bounds well and and, and also to to create enough space for a martial arts demonstration yeah which to be honest i'd have already set the tables up around that idea rather than rather than the last minute upturning everything including tables that are nowhere near the fucking bit where they're gonna do the demonstration so uh yes sub-zero is called forth, and, and a, one of these shirtless warriors of Man Island uh, comes up and starts doing a whole bunch of impressive um, 
I don't know, martial arts moves. Kind of weird flexing to making his ribs poke out of himself. It's really important for him to demonstrate how tough and manly and uh, capable he is. Because he's going to die in one blow uh, with the fight with Sub-Zero. As he does this flying leap kick. And and Sub-Zero's just been sort of chilling and like building up some energy in his hand. He throws force. (laughs) And, And the man collides with this energy that he throws out and turns to ice and shatters at the feet of Shang Tsung, who declares it a flawless victory. Uh, the first of many times that catchphrase is said throughout the course of the film. Yes, he likes to say all of them. The flawless victory, finish him, yep. your soul is mine, all that shit. Yep. Um, Not shy of the catchphrases. No. The party breaks up and Liu Kang goes to follow Shang Tsung, but he's stopped by Johnny Cage who reminds him of Raiden's warning that Shang, that Shang Tsung is not able to be defeated by Liu Kang at this yeah. time. I mean, we're talking like the moment Raiden's out the room, Liu Kang's ready to like just disregard everything he's been warned. That despite his instant acceptance of everything he'd been told his whole life mere minutes before. Yeah. <laughs> he's such an asshole. Sonya having a... Re- but she, she didn't get any warning. She was not warned. She couldn't, you know, she wasn't ready to deal with Shang Tsung. So she just decides that she's going to go follow him and find out where Kano is and, and achieve her objectives. Uh, the, the guys follow her anyway, because that's what they do. And they wander through this weird hive-like network of passages, and, uh, they see this four-armed shadow, and wind up in a, a, another dining hall, where they're sort of crouched down, and they see Kano enjoying his own private banquet with the four-armed Prince Goro. And, yes. uh, bitching about Shang Tsung. Now, uh, Goro warns Kano not to oppose him, uh, Shang Tsung, that is, lest the sorcerer enslave his soul, and that sort of gives a lets us know where Shang Tsung gets his power. Uh, now, always knowing when to make an entrance, Shang Tsung then comes in, discusses the terms of this arrangement that he has with Kano. Mm-hmm. Uh, that Kano's being paid to humiliate Sonya in the tournament, not hurt her, not you know kill her, but just humiliate her. Yeah, why I don't know. Yeah, what what is the end game of 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 Shang Tsung's little plot thread here. I don't think there is one. I like I I think he has decided that he wants her like I think he's decided that she is the weakest of the competitors. Right. So he's banking on her actually killing Kano. Yeah. So that he can fight her eventually. Yes, it's I, I, that makes sense. I think it's it's his goal to make her uh to put her in a position where she's the last combatant. And she's not in any position to yeah. fight him capably. Sexist. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of people in this movie are assholes, actually. <laughs> Pretty much. Now I think about it. Um, in, in, now, Shang Tsung also warns Goro of two threats. Um, Liu Kang and Princess Katana. Noting that the former must not... I'm sorry, the latter. The latter must not be allowed to ally herself with these warriors from Earth. It could yes. throw off his whole plan. So it's really important that they don't spend any time together. Yeah, he doesn't want Katana and Liu Kang together. He it's, told Reptile about this. He warned Goro about this. It is, it's important. It is crucial to his plans that they not be put together. Yeah, remember us saying this. <laughs> because this is important. Because the movie won't remember this. <laughs> Now, the heroes slink away from their hiding spot, but their movements are heard by Shang Tsung. 
and they find that the passageways aren't as they remember, things have moved or something, but they do spot Princess Katana at the end of the hall, and Liu Kang's like, I gotta hit that, and just sort of charges off. Yeah. Um, on his way, he encounters Reptile, who I guess has been doing as instructed and keeping an eye on Katana and trying to keep the two of them separated. Um, and he spits on him, which lets Cage and Sonya catch up, and they all go down the path together. And so it's not really effective what happens with Reptile, because it just winds up um, back in the dining room, and nine of Shang Tsung's warriors come in from all of the exits, and uh, Techno happens. Yes. And until, like, all nine of these guys have been beaten unconscious. So, Raiden appears and, and uh, gives a slow clap, doing his, like, I am a casual, you know, guardian, I don't really give a fuck thing, I guess. Yeah. Kind of not cool. Uh, points out another 20 or so guys that have shown up behind him. And then, and then he just, you know, gives them the finger, basically. Yeah. Well, he goes... I don't think so. Yeah. <laughs> and this is either the first or the second of his I don't think so's, because apparently this movie thinks I don't think so is a catchphrase to push really hard. Laura Don says I don't think so, like a ton in this film, like at least four times. I think. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like they were going to sell T-shirts with just I don't think so written on them. Actually, that would make a great t-shirt. That image of just him holding his finger up with the electricity and then I don't think so right above it as if he's pointing yeah. to it. It's a shame that the movie didn't have enough traction to get that off the ground, though. Well, you know what? We could, we, we could we make do the it shirt. Now? Yeah, we could make the yeah. shirt. We could make, a, we could make a Movie Boy shirt. Someone asked for one, I saw. There you go. <laughs> God. That'll sell to, like... At least two people. Five people. Oh well, oh, well but, uh, you're you very, very confident, actually. Jim. <laughs> I said five, and Conrad's all. I don't think so. <laughs> if we push it, like the, if we push it, we we can make it a half. We can make I don't think so great again. <laughs> so Laredon yeah, then gives we a little. We haven't even had our first tournament fight yet. Fucking hell! I know. We're recording it. We'd keep it briefer. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Yeah, he, he, uh, he then gives a little more exposition uh, on Shang Tsung's power like source. just meowed like a cat. <laughs> Sorry, carry on. In the morning, Liu Kang yep. uh, faces off against an unnamed warrior in the first round of Mortal Kombat. Uh, he does. There's some... Again, keep an eye on the crowds if you're watching this thing. Yeah. Because they are all just doing stock, like almost like GIF animations. So there's some uh, a bamboo spear fighting they, they use them as bows and and so forth and, yeah. and then Liu Kang floors the other guy with an inner kick to the chest and laying there on the ground Shang Tsung just comes up and like takes his soul so I guess that's the score here like if you lose Shang Tsung takes your soul and gets more powerful that's that's Should've his read game the contract. it's his fucking racket um next up is Sonya in the ring she's about to start a fight with her own random fighting guy and then Shang Tsung interrupts and offers her a different competitor and brings out Kano and then uh, Juke Joint Jezebel starts playing. And that makes it one of the best parts of the movie. Uh, even though the fight itself is actually kind of boring. It's not a great fight uh, sequence. It's kind of dull. But uh, it's got KMFDM, so suck my balls. Um, and yeah. After Kano kicks her in the gut, she catches him in this inverted scissor hold and drags him to the neck and uh, <laughs> drags him to the ground and snaps his neck with her thighs. Um, and I think it's worth yeah. noting that, like, she's the only one who, like, of the Earth Warriors who just, like, cold-blooded kills someone. 
Yeah, like like just outright. He's like, give me a break. And she's okay, and then snaps his neck with her legs, uh, her powerful legs. Um, also, this early in the film, her entire plot's just wrapped up. Yep. It's just, she's done now. <laughs> she has accomplished her goals. That's it. She's done. Yeah. Well done. Don't worry. They've got to kidnap her later because that's what you do. Yeah. Well, they so need to. They need to, got to. They need to damsel her. Yes. That's really... So get her actual motivation out the way, and then they can get to work on that bit. It blows Fuck my. It, it blows my <laughs> mind that they damsel the most cold-blooded person. And like, like, yeah, cold, like cold-blooded killer who fires guns in crowded dance floors and breaks people's necks without a trial. Man, I kind of fuck this movie a little bit. Just a little bit. But damn. Like, I wish I didn't think so much about these anymore. Uh, all, right, all, right, all right, so in the forest somewhere, some forest somewhere on Man Island, Johnny Cage is facing down against Scorpion, fires his weird lizard hook out of his hand, and uh, Johnny Cage dodges just out of range on the first throw and then dodges the thing so it goes splat on a tree in the second. It's kind of gross. Um, it, this, this scene is more tolerable than when you're shown the, the, the thing coming out of his hand earlier. Uh, just because there's so much movement and action that it's impossible to actually focus on the thing. Jim? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. thought I lost you for a second. No, 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 I'm here. Okay, all right. Uh, you, you're just trying to make sure we can get through this. <laughs> uh, he performs his flying kick in Scorpion, um, but then falls into a portal and uh, winds up in Blight Town. Yes, basically. Um, well, a, a, an amateur dramatics idea of trying to build Blight Town. Now, I've done amateur dramatics, and I can recognize the use of, of, of uh, Rostra. Uh, and bits of toilet paper and red light to make it look a bit convincing. Like, that's someone who's tried to make hell for a, a stage production in a community hall. Yes, it's um, it's a little yeah. depressing. Uh, and Scorpion beats on Johnny Cage like he's mommy when daddy comes home late and smells like whiskey. And uh, thoroughly defeating Cage, Scorpion removes his mask, revealing the red-eyed skull underneath. Practical effect! It's, uh, yeah, yeah, it's it's... It is goofy, but I kind of like I it. I do, too. I think, well, it looks goofy in the game, too. Like, it really, yes. it, it, it looks like how I expect Scorpion to look. So I'm totally down with that. And they, uh, he gets all set to open his mouth and do the incineration move. And there's this, like, conveniently placed shield with razor blades on the side of it right next to Cage. So he picks it up and blocks the fire and then uses the shield to cleave his skull. And he bleeds this, like, Red applesauce uh, before he explodes. Yeah. Really looks juicy and tasty. And, and, and this uh, signed photograph of Johnny Cage flutters to the ground uh, behind. It's cute. Like, that, I kind of dig that part. It amuses yeah. me. Um, meanwhile, back on the beach, uh, Liu Kang goes to do his uh, first round of Mortal Kombat. Against Katana. Now, clearly, Shang Tsung seems to have the option to, like, change who's fighting in a match. Like, the bracket doesn't seem all that fixed, because he replaced whoever it was that uh, Sonya was supposed to fight with Kano. And yet, he has 
Liu Kang, Liu Kang and Katana fight each other, be in each other's presence, despite having told everybody on this fucking island that that's not to happen. Exactly, yeah. Um, Reptile didn't do his job. Shang Tsung warned Goro... Bear in mind, Shang Tsung's watching the fight. Yeah, he's sitting there. He's fine with this. I mean, well, he's not fine with it because he does, like... He stops the match after Katana... Well, he stops the match after she starts chatting shit. Yes. I'm like, stop. Stop it before then. Like you were trying to do the whole movie. Yeah, just put Katana in a fight that you're pre- into fights that you're pretty sure she's going to lose. Problem Idiot. solved. Fucking moron. How's wrong with him? I don't know. Uh, but she does give uh, uh, Liu Kang a, uh, a suggestion as to how to win his next fight, um, saying that he needs to do it with uh, the element which brings life. It's very subtle. Um, after this... Yeah. Makes me cringe. <laughs> after this, Shang Tsung calls off the match because he's displeased by their interaction. And we cut to uh, Le Redon in a chamber having a drink of water. He's... he's wearing robes like the monks in the temple. And he's having a sip of water from a couple of buckets that he's brought in so that this advice that Katana's given will be of some value. Yeah, I think they've worked out that Liu Kang's very slow on the uptake. Right. Uh, so they've, they've made this... They've really put the tournament on easy mode for him. <laughs> Liu Kang comes into the room like seconds later, the Thunder Guard's gone, and uh, Sub-Zero shows up to fight Liu Kang. And Liu Kang's doing pretty well until Sub-Zero starts generating this, like, cold field that, like, pulses out from him and gives Liu Kang a bit of frostbite and causes him to trip over the buckets, which spills water all over the floor. So the visual cues are all here, right? It should all come together. Like, shouldn't need any more reinforcement as to how he's supposed to do this. But just just to make absolutely fucking certain, Katana steps into the room. And we get voiceover of her from, I mean, literally four minutes prior, I would say, echoing in his mind to use the element which brings life. And then as if it is a sudden revelation, he's just, water! Yeah. And this is why I don't buy that the crowd scenes are some sort of meta-commentary on the gameplay itself in some subtle thing. Because of this whole shit. Because Anderson thinks that the audience is so fucking thick that we didn't get it the first time she said element that brings water. He had to he had to yell water out loud for us. Yeah. Because otherwise none of us would have got it. So Liu Kang grabs the remaining bucket that he didn't knock over, and he swings it around and flings the water through Sub-Zero's cold barrier which turns into a spear of ice on contact and impales the ninja, uh, who in turn freezes completely. Yeah. So appa- Legit. Seems legit. Yeah. Uh, well, and it, he's, got, he's all like... <laughs> yeah, his whole head goes like he's in Jacob's ladder while he's freezing. It's I mean, it's, it's, it's a terrible, terrible way to die. It, it, it happened to my cousin. Oh, yeah. Um, and really tragic. You know, you get, you get penetrated with a, a spear of magical ice and, and it, it just it cool, cools from the inside out. Um, yes, yes. So, someone, presumably Goro, since uh, Shang Tsung appears in his chamber again briefly to tell him that the humans have won enough times, uh, engages in 20 throws of people. 
Um, I'm not sure if this is five guys getting thrown four times each or if it's 20 guys getting thrown once each, but there are 20 throws. Yes. Basically, a lot of humans get, get their, you know, get the shit kicked out of them uh, because Shang Tsung is upset. And then Goro enters the ring against Johnny Cage's bestest friend in the whole world who he just met for the first time on the docks yesterday. <laughs> art. It's art, everybody! Uh, so he's here to provide the necessary character motivation for the third act for Johnny. Um, the Outworld General basically punches him to death. Uh, whole, picking him up and doing that whole, like, I'm going to lift you up with my upper arms and punch you in the tummy with my lower arms. And, uh, Shang Tsung comes and, and takes his soul, thus fulfilling his, his purpose in the plot. Um, now, the heroes are discouraged by all of this. They're pretty bummed that Art has died. Uh, because they had a really, you know, they spent a lot of time with Art. Uh, he was, you know, the fourth guy in the crew. He was, he was... Yeah, they, well, they cared so much about him. They were yelling advice. And it's hard to hear the advice, uh, because of all the crowds and the noises <laughs> and the punching and everything. Uh, but I did, I, I also watched it with subtitles on, uh, because that's just the default in the house. I don't like subtitles, but everyone else uses them, so I have to suffer through them. Um, but I'm glad I had them on for this, because at one point... <laughs> While Art's fighting Goro and everyone's yelling things like, come on, Art, you can do it. Sonya yells, do your kicks. <laughs> the best fighting advice I've ever heard. Do your <laughs> kicks. It's it's pretty sad. And, uh, you know, I just, the whole Art thing just makes me bummed. I, let's, yeah. let's move on. Um so, discouraged by Goro, Goro's performance, the heroes uh, then consult with Laredon, who points out that the three each have a critical flaw, uh, saying that Johnny allows others' perceptions of him to cloud his judgment, and Sonya has trust issues. And then he just goes to leave without, like, addressing Liu Kang at all. Yeah. And Liu Kang is all upset that the wizard gave Johnny, a, Johnny, he gave Johnny a brain and Sonya a heart and had nothing for him. Yeah, and he wants his fucking attention. Right, so he gets told, oh, well, you've got a fear of destiny. And uh, Liu Kang meditates on this, and, uh, and he has a flashback to the vision of his brother being killed. Uh, on, elsewhere, on, on, a, on a, a sort of a bluff, I guess, uh, looking over a sunrise, uh, Johnny tells Sonya that he has a, a plan to challenge Goro. Now, um, we, we should do something a little fun with this because, yeah, yeah, yeah. uh, this is like the dramatic, um, relationship affirming moment between these two characters in a lot of ways. This is the first time they've had time to, uh, be alone and have a conversation. And, uh, the film is trying to set up with, uh, with Johnny Cage, this, uh, flirtatious, uh, asshole with a heart of gold thing. Yes. I think, and, and, and try to uh, set things up for him to get the girl in the end here with, uh, with, with Sonya, and, and, you know, while Liu Kang is going to clearly do the same thing with Katana. That, that part's all obvious. So this is supposed to be the moment that sort of turns the tide of their relationship uh, and, and sort of hints at that possibility. So it's, it's, it's a really big scene, uh, and it's just them. There's no... Uh, scenery or action to distract. This is the first moment of pure acting in the whole goddamn movie. Yes, 
it's very much from the heart. Uh, so I think we're going to have it so that I'm Sonia. Uh, yep. yep. And you're Johnny. Yep. And we will perform for you uh, this this seminal moment, this 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 turning point for movies as a whole. <clears throat> Goro's never been beaten. You go up against him, he'll kill you. I'm Sonya. Well, if I don't, he'll finish us off one at a time. If I challenge him now, I can finish this. You're making this all sound really simple. And it isn't. Yeah, it is. Because I can't let what happened to Art happen to you. Not to you. Oh, don't you dare do this to protect me, Johnny Cage. Trust me. I got a plan. Oh, I can't believe this. You are the most egotistical, self-deluded person I have ever met. Yeah? Well, you forgot good looking. I did. Why didn't you ever go inside my <laughs> massive pussy? <laughs> I added that last line. <laughs> A little ad-lib on I your part. I got it from the subtext. Yeah, yeah. Just in case it wasn't clear what was happening here. Yeah, that, that was the, oh, of course, water moment of the... We, you know what? We might have... We might have overplayed the drama in that. Yes, yes. It was a little more subdued <laughs> in the actual <laughs> scene. There was a little less acting in the actual scene. Uh, so and There was none in ours. <laughs> uh, Shang, Shang Tsung approaches Johnny Cage, uh, now willing to accept this proposal that Johnny fight Goro. Uh, but he's got conditions uh, that Tsung then be allowed to fight the winner of the combatant of his choosing... Or, I'm sorry, the winner of this sort of... He gets to choose between either fighting the winner of this Goro-Johnny Cage match or picking someone else to fight with, uh, fight against in the final round of Mortal Kombat. And he gets to pick the location. Yeah, his, his deal basically amounts to uh, I don't want to play by the rules and just make up shit and do what I like. Yeah, pretty much. Like, Which Johnny's fine with. Yeah, it's the dumbest fucking deal ever. It, 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 but whatever. Uh, I guess the brain Johnny was supposed to get didn't work so well. It's fucking ridiculous. But um, Johnny leaps at this opportunity before Le Redon can stop him. And then Johnny like gives uh, Le Redon a hard time for interfering in Mortal Kombat, which amuses the, the god. And, and he has another one of his awkward laughing moments. Uh, and then Cage faces down Goro, who breaks his shades, and they get ready to do techno, right? Yes. But then Johnny sucker punches Goro where the testicles would be on a human, and it works out that Goro's physiology matches up in this respect. Yes. So I can only imagine he's got four. Yeah, yeah. So there's a whole lot of nuts to get punched. It's a big oh, target. Yeah. Um, although, you know, it could be, could be steroids. Like, we don't know. We don't know. Who knows? It could, it, Who knows? It could, it could just, it could be like a bunch of blueberries down there. Yeah. Like a little 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 bundle of little bundle of blueberries. Cage leads Goro to this noro, narrow cliff and then just kicks him over the side. <laughs> like it's this Goro's supposed to be the big horrifying thing. Shang Tsung's the bad guy, right? Yeah, we know he's the bad guy in the end, but Goro's the scary one. He's the dragon to the the main villain. Right, yeah. right. And just just off the edge and his head. out like a punk. It's just sad. Uh, Shang Tsung chooses to exercise his, his end of the deal with uh, Johnny Cage and, and selects Sonya as his opponent and takes her to Outworld. And this is why I think this was his plan all along, because you know he, he that's who he decides to do this to. 
um, and drags her off to Outworld. And Cage and 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 Liu Kang, which I think that they sh- they should they should have a buddy cop, or like a private buddy investigator series. Yeah. On TV, I would watch that. The Cage and Kang mystery. Right. Yeah. Just because now now they're best buds. And they're going to work together yes. to, to solve this. Um, they have become the Ryu and Ken of, um, of Mortal Kombat. And they, uh, they go to Outworld, right? Le Redon has to stay behind. He can't, he can't go to Outworld. That's the Emperor's domain. Yeah, Outworld and Fancy Banquets are the two things Le Redon is not allowed at. Right. And uh, Reptile, meanwhile, uh, sort of appears to, in the background to let us know, hey, he's still in this mix. Um, arriving in Outworld, which, uh, looks a lot like what you imagine Detroit looks like, uh, Liu Kang detects the invisible reptile, like, right away, and... Yeah. No clue as to how he can do that, but he does. Well, now, now that he understands that everything he was taught in his Shaolin traditions were true, uh, I, I, I'm sure he recalled that time he was trained in how to detect, uh, invisible lizard guys. Just like he was trained in how to guess correctly when someone's compass is fucked up. Right, right. So, um, he, uh, he actually has a pretty good, uh, fight against... Yes, yes, the reptile fight is, is my favourite fight in the film. Um, it has the best techno when the techno happens. Um, he grabs the lizard, throws it into some sort of corpse, statue-like corpse. Uh, the lizard tries to get away, but he's grabbed by weird pink tendrils and dragged, and turns into a green ninja, um, like Sub-Zero or Scorpion. And you know it's Reptile because the music starts off by going, Reptile! <laughs> and then so great subtle. techno and fighting happens. And yeah, I think I think it's the best display of, of martial artsy fighting that's in the film, yeah, like it's, it's really nice and fast paced and just fun. It's good combat, um, and then that goes on until the we get the iconic Liu Kang bicycle kick move, and yep. that that hits him so hard it separates uh, reptile from the corpse thing again, and uh, he crushes the lizard's head. Um, yeah, and Katana approves because she's now there, and this is this is the most awkward exposition he bit in the whole film. Um, what what happens here? where Katana explains this history of Outworld and that her dad had lost the tournaments and this is the result and yada, yada, yada. Uh, and she leads Cage and Kang to the, uh, the, the Black Tower, uh, where she tells them that they'll have to uh, face their enemy, face themselves, and face their fears. And this, you know, like the, the whole use the element which brings life thing, they, this seems like a not subtle thing. Like, this is a big, important, yeah. pay attention to this thing. And then it's, like, not. It's so not when we get there. Um, in a chamber at the top of the tower, Sonya's been chained to a wall, and someone has taken the time to give her hair a nice big 80s-style teasing. Yeah, she's basically cosplaying as Barbarella at this point. She's got this weird leather dress thing, and it's... <sighs> Why did you do this? Like, you could have just you could have just chained her up. It's like at this point Shang Tsung's just reading from like the villain's handbook. I've got to I've got to chain this woman up and dress her up like a fucking it's some you know, more like she's in the live fashion. action Flintstones movie. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's it's bad. Uh, now the deal is the reason why they haven't just had their fight is um, Shang Tsung has to 
uh, make the ch issue the challenge, and Sonya has to accept. Now, yeah. Sonya doesn't know this. Liu Kang knew this. He brought it up immediately. In fact, he corrects right, uh, Le Redon about it in the scene just before they leave because he's dick. a prick know-it-all. <laughs> but uh, she doesn't know this, still refuses to do it, saying her friends are going to come and rescue her. And they have a back and forth about this where it's basically... Accept my challenge. No, my friends will rescue me. Accept my challenge. No, my friends will rescue me. They already have. And, like, three of them take oh, yeah, off their robes. Makes, oh, yeah, makes me shudder. She's like, oh, my friends will come for me. First of all, friends now. Yeah. News to me. Uh, but it's, oh, my friends will come for me. And then the robes come off because there are robed men all around here because of Shang Tsung's weird kink party. And it's Johnny Cage under one of the robes. He's like, we're already here. Ugh. 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 Now, oh, that makes me sick. Soong makes a move to have his men capture the intruders, but uh, Katana prevents him, saying that it would violate the tournament rules. So Shang Tsung attempts to challenge Johnny Cage, but Liu Kang instead challenges Soong in response, and Soong accepts, and techno happens. Um, yeah, which... I don't know about any of this. Like, he... He clearly wants to go after the one he thinks is the weakest. He, he wants to avoid fighting Liu Kang. Right. And so, challenges Sonya, and she has to accept, otherwise it's all forfeit and shit. She doesn't accept, and that's forgotten. Challenges Johnny Cage, he doesn't accept, it's forgotten. Liu Kang then challenges Shang Tsung, and he accepts, when my move would have just been to challenge Sonya again, and turn this into a big circular challenge party. For some reason, he forgets his entire plan up to now and just accepts Liu Kang's challenge. Almost as if he's just as sick of this shit as everyone else <laughs> is. <laughs> it could be ego. But he's like, yeah, I could have taken him anyway. Who knows? But it's, yeah, it's... it's... Who knows what goes on in the mind of, of the master of Man Island? But it's a... It, it... It's a pretty good fight, all things considered. Yeah, uh, well, techno happens. Yeah. The, the main techno happens for the first part of the fight. Uh, Liu Kang draws first blood, and uh, then uh, Shang Tsung calls upon the souls of a thousand dead enemies. Uh, and Katana references this as the face your enemy part of her sort of three-part action plan. Yeah. Um, and it's like six guys. Not that impressive. <laughs> no. And Kang beats them all up, and then Shang Tsung taunts Liu Kang from a balcony, and, and it doesn't deter Liu Kang. And I guess this qualifies for the face yourself bit? Yeah. Because Katana I guess. seems to think so. Uh, this leaves face your worst fear. Um, and then Shang Tsung transforms into Liu Kang's brother. And, like, he's seemingly fooled temporarily by this illusion, which is stupid and weird. <laughs> And it's long enough but to... But then Liu, Liu Kang is stupid and weird, yeah. so... And an asshole. And yes. It's, uh, but spikes are extended into the platform, up from the platform below them. And then, you know, Liu Kang gets his wits about him again, I guess, and attacks Shang Tsung. And they fight some more, and Shang Tsung starts to lose control of the souls that power him. And the battle eventually ends with Shang Tsung being punched by Liu Kang with a mystical force. Uh, the first time one of the Earth Warriors has exhibited some kind of, you know, ability beyond mm -hmm. physical uh, prowess and skill. Uh, and he falls onto the spike platform where he rapidly decomposes and all of the trapped souls, including Kang's brother, are released. Um, returning to the Shaolin Temple, surrounded by children and flags, they're greeted by Le Redon, who congratulates them and claims he had no idea what the outcome would be. 
You humans are so unpredictable. And then suddenly black clouds form and the emperor appears uh, over the, sh- the shrine, uh, the temple. Yeah. Uh, horribly Shao Kahn. Shao Kahn, indicating that the fight isn't over. Everyone yeah, Voiced by Frank Welker. Everyone strikes the poses and the credits roll. Yeah, after one more, I don't think so. I don't think so. <laughs> so that's Mortal Kombat. That's fucking more Jesus Christ. I know, right? Why did we spend so long? I have no idea. Why did that happen? Why did that just happen? <laughs> right, let's let's get on with the last bit. So Conrad, did you like Mortal Kombat or not? I I I think I liked it better um in my memory. Right. Uh it's not that it's not that it's a terrible movie. It's it's pretty good. Uh, the action sequences, more or less, with the exception of the uh, the Kano uh, Sonya fight, are enjoyable. Like they're they're good yeah. action scenes. There's good fights. There's nice uh, choreography. Um, the CGI is goofy as shit, but that's a product of its age as much as um, the developers or I'm sorry, the developers, the uh, director's inexperience with using it. I yeah. think. Well, you pointed out on the last recording that he learns his lessons a bit better yeah. by Resident Evil. By the time he gets to Resident Evil, he's you know showing the CGI. When you can get a, a chance to get a good hard look at it, it's usually as seen on a screen somewhere. So there's can be there can be some distortion applied and and sort of cover up that the CGI doesn't look that good. Yeah, um, I maintain he. Uh doesn't do anywhere near enough of a good job. Oh, no, no, it still has You can problems. tell he's at least, yeah, he's learned a little bit of shame in the CGI. Yeah, well, he's, he's learned a little craft. And, um, you know. But the, the way it deals with art, just... It... Not over art. I'm not over art. Espe- we hardly knew you. Especially knowing that, knowing how easy it would have been to do jacks. Yeah. Yeah. Like the whole Jax thing is puzzling as hell. I mean, the film the film is littered with um, you know tried and tested problem storytelling, um, which you know we've been pointing out mostly sure. a joke, but there is shit in it where it's like, man, that they, they could have done that way better. Um, and you could say a lot of it's being a product of its time and and all that stuff. Um, personally, I do have to say, like, I still I love this film. Like, I I realize I've spent like you know, the past hour, like, making fun of it, tearing into sure, its plot sure. holes and inconsistencies and bad writing. But for me, it, it has that don't-give-a-fuckness that the games have. I do agree. I think uh, it captures the spirit. Yeah. So many video game movies are self-conscious and almost ashamed of their their source material. So they go out of their way to make it more realistic, make it more sensible, make it more like grounded and therefore more dark usually. And, 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 and they take out a lot of the fantastical stuff. And this doesn't do that. Like, even Street Fighter, which is a comedy movie just like Rush Hour, uh, took out a lot of the more fantastical elements of the games. Yeah. Uh, just just to try and make it all a little bit more or more rounded. Uh, but this film just really doesn't care. And even though there are some wild like inconsistencies with the games, Hello, Laura Don, uh, there are... It makes a lot more of an effort to be consistent with the games and to take this from the source material. Um, it's a lot more willingness to embrace that it's a video game movie than a lot of video game movies. This I get the sense with this film it wasn't someone like Uwe Boll uh, who just wanted to make a movie and a video game license was an easy get. Uh, it, it really 
it, it smacks a lot more of someone who wanted to make a, a Mortal Kombat film. Yep, I can agree with that. And I... It's not a bad movie. Like, I, I, I realize that it sounds from, you know, like the last hour and a half that I think it's not a good movie. Yeah. Uh, but that's not the case. I think it does... Uh, uh, I think it's still one of the better adaptations of what a video game would look like on a screen. Yes, um, and it's... It is a very watchable film. Yeah. Like even outside, of, there's a, there's a lot to ironically like about it, but it is also just it's it, it's not very demanding. It's just a film with a silly story, uh, some hammy scene chewing, and a lot of techno and fighting. There is there is uh, I I I know I haven't listened to the whole soundtrack in years and years and years. There is one like really dark blot on it. Um, right. There is a the closing credits. Uh, feature a song, a remix of a song by Gravity Kills. And if you don't, kids, ask your parents who <laughs> Gravity Kills are. And if they know and express any sort of, like, appreciation for their music, um, call the police, call Child Protective Services. You're in an unfit home. <laughs> you need help. Uh, they, they were one of those, like... Uh, kind of pop industrial bands that came around <laughs> in the mid nineties. They were one of the first, uh, acts signed to Trent Reznor's sub label for Interscope, nothing records. And all of their songs are one word titles like guilty. And like, it is, it's such shit. Like it's absolute shit, but some of the music wasn't terrible. And then you have this remix that, that they have over the credits for Mortal Kombat, of one of the songs, I blessedly cannot remember the name of it now. And I don't know if I just never heard this mix before, somehow, but you can hear how the guy sings. Like, you can actually hear his voice for the first time without a whole lot of distorted guitar over it and and heavy drums. Holy fuck, what were we thinking in the 90s? <laughs> what happened? Like, people say the 80s were, like, this bizarre... WTF, I don't know about that, man. The 90s were strange. God, it's terrible. They were, they were a strange, awful, wonderful time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That they were. And they gave us Mortal Kombat. Um, yeah, so yeah, yeah, like, I... The acting is not great. No. But it's got a lot of heart. I and mean, I actually... They, for all the shit we've talked of, about, Le Redon, and yeah. the decision to include him, I still, I like Christopher Lambert. Yeah, I I find it hard not to find him creepy in everything I see him in, and I think a lot of it's just informed from how skeezy he is in this, and I've applied it to everything else. Well, I, uh, I also get annoyed that that he he plays Asian gods and Scottish immortals. I mean, Highlander always confuses the hell out of me because you've got a Frenchman playing a Scotsman, and you've got a Scotsman playing uh, an Egyptian who's referred to as the Spaniard, like. That's too much for my head. Well, he's, ba he's and, a guy who's basically yeah. hired for his stare. Yes, that is true. I mean, he has a stare. And it's good on him because that's a, 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 a prime example of taking a negative and turning it into a positive. Because he has that stare because his vision sucks. Like, he's nearly blind, apparently, and has difficulty focusing. Wow. And so... He, that, yeah, I can see that now, that with how intense the stare is. Yeah, that's... that's. I didn't know that about him, actually. That's why. He has uh, some sort of vision impairment. 
And uh, so that's, yeah, that's why he basically seems like he's staring right through people because he essentially is. It's uh, interesting. Pretty amazing. So, yeah, I like, I like Chris Lambert. Um, I, I, I watch things just because he's in them. Like, bad stuff. Like, there was a, uh, uh, a it wasn't, it, it might have been called Beowulf. But it was this terrible sci-fi reinterpretation of Beowulf that he was in. Oh, it's mm-hmm. so bad. It's so bad. But I watched it anyway because I, lo- I love him. And I- I've watched all yep. the Highlander movies. Except for Endgame, which doesn't exist. There's, there's, <laughs> there is no Highlander Endgame. Connor McLeod wins the prize. Fuck you. Uh, so anyway, I, yeah, I guess that's Mortal Kombat, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'd, I'd talk more about it, but we've been going for a, a long time. an hour and hour and a half and this is the second hour and a half we've done because we've had to re-record it so yeah i'm tired (laughs) and ready to stop and i'm ready to inform you of what the next film's gonna be and hopefully that time we can spend a little less time on the plot and a little more time making fun of the film uh because there's going to be quite a a bit to make fun of uh we are going to be doing another uber bowl classic blood rain ah see and now i know you have a love of blood rain as a game yes, yes as yes. as a game not you know film notwithstanding I, yeah there's, there's there's about 30 seconds of uh blood rain that i like the movie blood rain's a, a thing that conceptually has so much potential yes and uh it so it never went anywhere like they did blood rain blood rain 2 and that was it <laughs> they, they you know well they had um, the the 2d blood rain um, betrayal, I think it was called, like many, many years later. But I would love a new Blood Rain. Go- anyway, I can't talk about this. This is next fucking episode. Um, We're building I was hype. just going to do another episode right now. Um, Blood Rain, Uwe Boll, the first one. And yeah, that's going to be quite a ride. Don't watch that one with your parents in the room. Um, <laughs> thank you, as always, for listening to uh, the spin off Doctors. I've been Jim Sterling. And my friend and associate has been Conrad Zimmerman, uh, whose videos you can find on YouTube. And he uploads videos now on YouTube. Son of a bitch. I got, <laughs> I got browbeat into making content for my YouTube channel because... He was all, I'm not going to upload anything. And I was like, I don't think so. <laughs> we should get that shirt made. We should. I might have a word with my artist. Um, yes, yes. Conrad actually has been doing a lot of Enter the Gungeon videos on the Great YouTube channel. Game. Conrad Zimmerman, all one word, fantastic, beautiful game. Um, yeah, Conrad Zimmerman on YouTube and on uh, Twitter and whatnot. And you can also see us on fistshark.com for the Fist Shark Marketing Podcast, which you can also find on iTunes and all that stuff. Sorry, I'm getting hiccups now. Uh, iTunes and all that stuff. Um, it's a very good podcast. Uh, I highly recommend it. And I think that's about it. All right. I think that's about it. So that was Mortal Kombat. Hope you enjoyed and we will see you in the next episode. Bye. Bye. God, Luke Kang's a dick, though. Yeah, I know. Right twat. (laughs) Perfect end.